What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. You're listening to Done By Law. Brought to you by the Federation of Community Legal Centres. Good evening. You're listening to Done By Law on 3CR, 855 AM. We'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians on the land in which 3CR is broadcasted, the Wurundjeri people of the mighty Kulin Nation. We acknowledge the ongoing dispossession and oppression of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, and we stand together with them in the fight for sovereignty. Always was and always will be Aboriginal land. It's 6pm on Tuesday the 19th of April 2022 and we're your hosts Jeremy and Dylan. Tonight we're discussing the spent conviction scheme that was passed by the Victorian government on the 18th of March 2021 as the Spent Convictions Act. We're joined by two guests tonight to discuss what this new scheme means for Victorians with prior criminal convictions. I'll introduce our guests right after this short community announcement. Bisexual Alliance Victoria is a not-for-profit organisation dedicated to equality and justice for multi-gender-attracted people, including bi, pan, regardless of label or no label at all, their partners and allies. Bisexual Alliance runs discussion groups in person and online. The group offers a safe and fun space to share your experiences, ask any questions regarding your sexual identity and provide peer support. Bisexual Alliance is especially keen to hear from multi-gender attracted people in regional and rural Victoria. Donations of $2 or more to Bisexual Alliance are now tax deductible. For more information, visit our website at bi-alliance.org, email info at bi-alliance.org or find us on Facebook or Twitter. A 3CR supporter. Until this scheme was introduced, Victoria was the only Australian jurisdiction without a spent conviction scheme. Other states and territories have had schemes for decades. Um, This has meant that Victorians can have historic and minor offences on their records forever, which has seriously impacted their prospects for employment, access to housing, and can cause discrimination in, in many other settings. Broadly speaking, there are three types of spent convictions. Some will be automatically spent, some will be spent once a period has expired, and some more serious offences require an application to be made. From the 1st of July 2022, people with convictions for sexual offences or serious violent offences or people with sentencing outcomes of more than 30 months can apply to the magistrate's court to have their conviction spent after serving the relevant crime-free period. I can't look after it. This was the painful realisation that brought three-day-old Glenn to the local police station in 1963. An unwed mother with no family support, diagnosed with schizophrenia and certified insane at 12, didn't face promising prospects, suiciding days later. With no father on the scene, Glenn was deemed of having no visible means of support and became a ward of the state, which opened up a criminal record. His life path would now be determined by the government. Glenn spent the next 18 years in unsuccessful foster placements, was in and out of 
various private and state institutions and experienced a range of abusive encounters, including physical, emotional, and sexual. Glenn experienced disconnection, isolation, and personal loathing that would come to head prior to his 18th birthday. Glenn was arrested, charged, and convicted of armed robbery and spent the next few years in Pentridge and H Division before being released and starting a new life interstate. Glenn now works with the very people he grew up with as a peer worker at the Ravenhall Correctional Centre just generations apart. Forensic Care provides a psychosocial rehabilitation centre within Ravenhall Correctional, holding the hope for men in the last six months of their sentence to lead a meaningful life. Glenn is open to sharing his experiences and unpack some of the issues that need to be addressed before you can move forward and have a meaningful life. Joining us tonight with Glenn is Ben Watson. Ben Watson is a senior lawyer at Johnston and Raymer Lawyers in a law team. He brings a wealth of experience to the firm, previously a lawyer at a specialist criminal law firm, and is an executive committee member of the Law Institute Criminal Law Section. He's also a member of Liberty Victoria and Australian Lawyers for Human Rights. Ben holds a Bachelor of Laws from Deakin University, an advanced diploma of justice from RMIT, and undertook his practical legal training with the College of Law. Ben has studied international human rights law in Argentina on exchange and has completed work placements with the Australian Building and Construction Commission. Ben also volunteers with the men's mental health charity Mr Perfect, which runs community barbecues as a way of connecting with community. We'll be speaking with Glenn and Ben right after this community announcement. CoHealth is a not-for-profit community health organisation providing health and support services in Melbourne. In late 2021, CoHealth facilitated a workshop for women from diverse cultural backgrounds on effective communication skills for social and professional settings. Positive outcomes for workshop participants were collaborative discussions in safe spaces and onward access to support services. To learn more about our services and programs, visit cohealth.org.au. CoHealth is a 3CR supporter. Thanks for joining us, Ben and Glenn. Uh, Glenn, my first question is for you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how having a criminal record has impacted your life? Yeah, sure. Look, I, um, I pretty much, um, I, was, I was born into a criminal record pretty much in the sense that uh, my mother had no visible means to, of supporting me uh, when I was a baby. So I was placed into care. And in order to do that, an application had to be made to the court for a, uh, a wardship application, um, care and protection. So uh, that actually becomes what is known as a criminal record. Um, so uh, that happened at, at about eight days old. Um, then I just grew up through the system, um, was a bit of a bugger of a kid, uh, got into a lot of strife. And, um, you know, it was my normal. So growing up in institutions and the like um, was nothing new. So um, it wasn't until probably um, other states introduced the Spent Sentences Act. Uh, and in order for um, uh, for some consistency along the way, um, when we got rid of state police checks, we had national police checks, and therefore I would come under the national police check. So in most cases, my record had been spent, except for the one where I was sentenced for armed robbery um, that was over 30 months. Now, most states are in line with the 30-month rule that um, that uh, you need. Victoria is about the only state where you can apply to have that um, removed 
or locked up or put away or spent or whatever the word they want to use. Um, so um, most of my adult life, it has always come up on my record of the armed robbery, um, which has been a barrier in a lot of ways in the sense that I haven't been able to apply for things like council jobs. Um, it's actually not illegal to employ someone with a record. It's basically organisational policy that restricts that. So lots and lots of councils won't look at anyone with a criminal record. So I've been denied lots of opportunities and jobs and the like. Um, and even things like, you know, um, I wouldn't mind being a marriage celebrant, uh, but because of my record, I haven't had that opportunity. So there's lots of things along the way that's hindered, um, hindered me, um, but I've just had to work around it. It's pretty much work. Thanks, Glenn. Just, just on that, um, have you experienced any, like, really blatant discrimination towards you in terms of having a criminal record? So not only being denied opportunities, but have you had any, like, really... Uh, bad experiences with employees saying negative things or anything like that? Oh, look, I suppose I've been become a little bit clever over the years in the sense that um, when I've had job interviews and they haven't blatantly asked me, have I got a criminal record? Um, there's been examples with one particular council where they said, would your record, would a record, uh, would you have anything on your, on a police record that would impact on you doing your job? And I said, no. Uh, and I've been employed by a lot of organisations. And really, up to this point, they hadn't offered me a position. So really, it was none of their business until they, um, you know, said, uh, here's a contract. And in most cases, when that's happened, I've then disclosed because they're offering me a position. So I've declared my background. And in most cases, it's never been a problem. However, one particular council, I got the job, um, submitted a police check, it came back with that record. Um, and they said that, uh, no, we can't employ you. So, uh, and, th and they went on to say that I'd lied. But in actual fact, it was a play on words. He didn't ask me if I had a criminal record. He asked me, would there be anything that would impact me from doing the job? And um, I've worked for lots of organisations in the past and it's never been an issue. So, um, yeah, that's probably the most blatant example of um, being denied uh, an opportunity. Yeah, and... Um... Ben, likewise for any of the clients that you've assisted, um, have you seen any consequences for them in terms of having a, a criminal record? Uh, certainly, and particularly the clients that I work with, um, uh, similar to Glenn's story of how they're brought up, um, they go through the system and um, as a result um, begin offending at, at certain points in life due to life circumstances. Um, and that follows on with the criminal records impacting on their ability to um, go to university or to apply for jobs. Um, and then that immediately becomes a barrier to becoming a gainful member of society because people are instantly rejected from employment and educational opportunities that everyone else has the opportunity to be involved with. Um, and that leads people to further offend. Um, so... We've seen people um, that have criminal records um, rejected from um, the police force or the army, um, those sort of larger organisations, um, but even down to people that wish to drive um, for buses or for Uber um, will generally come under the scrutiny um, of those regulatory bodies um, and it generally will become a, an issue with, um, as Glenn was saying, it's not really... Um, enacted in certain organisations, it's enacted in the legislation that they can't 
um, employ people with criminal records and others, it's just a policy um, that that prevents people from doing so. So um, this particular legislation being enacted, it's going to make such a huge difference to the lives of so many people now, um, not just for people that currently have criminal records, but for people that might fall in trouble with the law in future. Um, and particularly in instances where it's a minor slip up and it's a blip uh, on an otherwise good record. Thanks for that. And Glenn, how much of a difference would having your conviction spent mean to you? Oh, look, I'm nearly 60. So in many cases, it probably has a minimal effect. Um, I guess I guess the opportunity, the opportunity to do something like get a celebrant's uh, license or something along those lines um, would good would be good for heading into retirement but there's lots of little things like uh you know if i wanted to be a a jolly old uh you know stop and go man at the children's crossing across the school um there would always be barriers to things like that um so as far as big career moves um it really isn't going to open up a lot of doors but by the same token i've waited 40 years for the opportunity to expunge my record uh, i think i've done enough uh in the community in my personal growth and development that says you know um give me a second chance so from that point of view i guess uh i would like to be um a bit of a pioneer in the sense that uh, that i get in early and and uh you know, it's right up the alley in where I work. So being a living testimony in the sense of um, what can be achieved um, is very, very important to me, especially holding the hope for lots of people that aren't ready to hold it for themselves. So, yeah, it, it, um, financially and career-wise, it probably has minimal effect. But uh, but just to be, you know, a John citizen again, it'd be nice. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just in terms of the application that's going to be made i mean you have uh from the first of july i believe um how did you and ben end up meeting or discussing this well i, I basically um i i was i was very interested in finding someone that was um uh had a level of passion about about um the spent sentences act and how it can be enacted in the sense of um having a go at it. So I put out a post on LinkedIn, which I'm heavenly uh, contribute to on a regular basis. And um, Ben responded to that. And, um, and uh, I, I was happy to pay. Uh, not that I have a lot of money, but, um, you know, Ben offered to do it pro bono, which I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful for. So um, I guess it's a, it's a bit of a suck it and see exercise for both of us, really. Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, I guess, Following on from that, Ben, do you think you'd be able to explain to our listeners um, what the process looks like or your understanding of what the process is, the kinds of criteria um, that a magistrate will need to consider when determining whether Glenn's convictions would be spent? Sure. So, um at the moment, the legislation provides for two, I guess, separate paths depending on the offence type. Um, so in Glenn's circumstances where there's been um, what they deem as a serious conviction, which is that 30-month period um, of either time in custody, um, the application gets made to the magistrate's court and they have to, um, there's a criteria that they look at um, in terms of making a decision about whether uh, 
the spent conviction can be made. Um, so those involve um, considering the nature and the circumstances and the seriousness of the original offence for which uh, the conviction was first given. Um, then it has to consider the impact on any victim at the time, um, but also the personal circumstances of the applicant. So that's both now and um, when the offence occurred. Um, and there's also been uh, within the legislation some um, some safeguarding of unique factors of background affecting Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander applicants, um, including the factors relating to incarceration of Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander applicants, um, as well as uh, factors relating to the impacts of a disclosure of criminal record um, on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Um, so that's uh, another uh, factor that they have to consider um, when weighing everything up. But there's also the age and the maturity of the applicant when the offence was first committed, um, as well as any risk to the public safety of making a spent conviction order. Um, and then really any other matter that the court considers relevant. So um, in that respect, the court will consider um, the rehabilitation of the offender, um, the um, the impact that they've made in their life and the life of others, um, as Glenn has done, um, and it will really look at their history, um, their period of time since the offence took place. Um, and it's essentially almost like a plea in that you're um, demonstrating to the court, to the court, what you're, uh, how you've been able to uh, reintegrate into society, or or the way that you're going to move forward, um, and the impact that. Um, having it removed would have on your life as well. So um, it's really important in that the legal effect of the spent conviction means that it doesn't form a part of the person's criminal record. Um, so they're not required to disclose it to another person. Um, and in actual fact, the legislation states that a person must not request um, information or um, even ask if there exists a spent conviction. So um, once the, the conviction's been spent, someone can't say, or do you have a criminal history and or do you have a spent conviction? Um, so that protects people as well um, from having that, um, having to be disclosed. Um, and it really provides that there is a, a, an exceptionally clean slate. Thanks for uh, explaining that, Ben. So uh, am I imagining that um, come the first day that you're, that Glenn and yourself are going to be making the application. Is that is that what you're looking to be doing? Yeah. So at this stage, the um, the applications begin on the first of July of this year. Um, the legislation was uh, enacted in March of last year. However, um, it really took effect um, from the first of December 2021. Um, so there are currently um, convictions that can be immediately spent at the moment, and those relate to. Um, if you're sentenced without a conviction, um, that becomes immediately spent because some people don't realise that even if you get a without conviction recording, um, the offence will still come up on your criminal record. Um, so that's a bit different to other states where when you get a without conviction um, it doesn't come up on your record, but in Victoria it does, and that's been the real hard thing. Um, so now without conviction actually means something when you're sentenced by the courts. Um, but in relation to the application, so we're waiting on the court to provide a, an actual application form. That hasn't been provided as yet. 
and I would be um, guessing that will become available on the 1st of July um, for those applications to start to be made. Um, but there's a fair bit of work that is required between now and then in terms of just gathering some supporting materials for Glenn, um, things like our character references and um, any other bodies of work that we can produce for the court. Um, and we may even consider having witnesses or um, friends come along and speak about Glenn's contribution to society. Starting with Glenn, and then maybe you can add your own experience in as well, Ben. Glenn, you've, you've worked in the space. I, I worked with you before with young people in particular at risk and and you still continue to work with um, people at risk uh, at the moment in that kind of social worker space. How much of a game changer do you see this legislation being for the people that you work with? Oh, look, it's it's life-changing. We also have to acknowledge that um, we're talking about um, five years um, non-conviction for a juvenile and 10 years non-conviction for an adult, meaning that they've stayed out of trouble since their last conviction for that period of time. So that's an incredible amount of time. Um, And when you're sitting in prison or in juvie and you're thinking about mapping out your life and and what you want to do, that seems like a bridge too far. So um, we've got that hurdle to begin with. The other issue that we have is that in particular Victoria, Um, there's a strong emphasis in our education system of obtaining a clear police check in order to to, uh, study. So that could be youth work, it could be counselling, it could be mental health, aged care, childcare. Um, So at the moment, it looks like that someone um, can't do further education in that space for 10 years, or in a juvie's case, uh, up to 21, they they have to wait five years, which... um, which a lot of work still needs to be done in that space because, um, you know, asking someone to sit on their hands and pack shelves for the next 10 years while you have a strong burning desire to help others seems too long. So that, that, that seems to be a policy. I don't know whether it's a TAFE or university or some clever fellow in an ivory tower has has uh, uh, enforced that, but it has a huge impact. So in the immediate sense, no. Um, for prisoners that are doing long-term sentences, they could possibly serve seven or eight years um, getting a cumulative of 18 months for this and 12 months for that, not getting a, an individual sentence over 30 months and could walk out of prison with after serving eight years with only two years to wait until their sentences are spent. So that's the irony of it because it's at the point of conviction. So... Um, you know, they would be unique circumstances, but there are a lot of guys in prison that are in for little things um, and they accumulate time. Um, so, yeah, look, in the short sense, um, it's limited, but for people that get out, have a go, and then, you know, 10 years down the track want to do something dramatically different, they'll have that opportunity. I mean, we're looking at myself that's almost 40 years waiting to to have a a conviction spent. Um, we've got to be remember too that I was sentenced to three years with a 12-month minimum in the Supreme Court. Um, why it ended up in the Supreme Court, I've got no idea. The nature of the offence was, you know, uh, and I'm not trying to minimise it at all, it was, uh, you know, accosting two people on the beach and because one of the guys had a weapon, it constituted armed robbery. 
but the but the judge who sentenced me was looking at a long parole period. Um, so a twelve month minimum. Back in those days, you got you got remission. So I served eight months um, with two years parole, um, which suggested that I needed a lot of support in the community. Um, I, I, looking back on it now, I don't think the judge thought that I would. Uh, be carrying that for 40 years yeah i think there's huge advantages in terms of the legislation as it's drafted now um, perhaps not so much for people that have already been convicted but moving forward from the first of december of last year um, when we're in contact with um, young offenders the children's court or courts that deal with people under the age of 15 um if it's a serious, including a serious conviction, that can be immediately spent. So if you're 13, 14, 15, um, you're, anything that's, that comes in the, in the children's court will be immediately spent, um, as well as if it's only a, a penalty of a fine in the children's court, um, it'll be immediately spent. Um, the other thing I think um, to consider is that if someone's conviction um, is spent, it, it can't be spent until the conditions of orders are completed. So um, some people might get a community corrections order, which has um, a fine component or um, community work for 100 hours or um, a period of good behaviour. Um, until all those conditions are satisfied, their conviction won't be spent. Um, so I guess there is a lot of... Um, uh, um, reinforcement of the fact that those conditions need to be finalised, um, an incentive for people to make sure that those conditions are finalised um, in order for their convictions to be spent. Um, but I, I particularly think the legislation's done a good job of making sure that young offenders are particularly looked after in terms of um, having convictions immediately spent um, as opposed to having to wait a particular period of time. Uh, in, in both of your experiences, what are the kind of other barriers that still exist for, for, for people with prior convictions? I still, I still, there's a lot of stigmatisation around um, ex, ex-cons or ex-convicts or prisoners or whatever. Um, it's, a, it's, a difficult, um, it's a difficult road to travel in the sense that um, in, in prison, a lot of people walk around with a basketball under each arm saying that... Uh, they don't have to prove themselves to anybody. They're their own man. Um, I do whatever I want to do. Unfortunately, that transition into the community um, just doesn't cut it because you do have to prove yourself and you do have to conform and you do have to play the game. Um, reintegration is a huge, huge thing. Um, and it seems to slip off the tongue of many service providers and people that it seems very easy to do. But um Reintegrating someone back into the community is a very difficult um, task. And the two areas, uh, there used to be a great man called um, uh, Father John Brosnan. He was the knockabout priest that gave the last rites to Ronald Ryan. He said there's three things a prisoner needs when he gets out of prison. He said he needs a friend, a roof over his head and a job. The hardest thing we can give them is a friend. Um, we've got so many people that are leaving our justice system, both adult and juvenile, that have nobody, uh, whether that's through their own doing of burning friends and relationships and family, um, the, the, the bridges are burnt. So we've got a lot, a lot of disconnected people out there that, um, that you know, juvie or, or uh, imprisonment looks, looks like a good alternative to what's out there. Um, so a lot of work's got to be done around housing 
but in particular the stigmatization of people coming out of custody. Um, I like to like to refer to them as returned citizens, and somehow as a society we've got to embrace them, despite what they've done. They've moved on, they've paid their dues, um, and now it's you know um, creating an opportunity for them to have a meaningful life. I hundred percent agree with what Glenn. Um, has just said, in particular, um, relating to the lifelong stigma of, of the labelling theory of being an offender. Um, it's not that they only just serve their sentence. Um, people are marked by the effects of their life well after they've served their time and, and rehabilitated themselves. Um, and the impact that it has on being able to be housed, um, even um, being accepted onto certain programs um, for drug treatment, um, there's so many barriers that are put up by the fact that someone served a period of imprisonment um, and the fact that there is just such limited support upon release. Um, there's some fantastic organisations that are in the community, um, but really there's so much more that could be done and needs to be done um, right now and into the future in order to um, ensure that people don't return to custody. And that's the issue is that um, there's... A lack of housing, there's a lack of employment and um, there's no income coming in. People are reduced to having to offend in order to get by. Um, and then we see a revolving cycle um, and a criminal history that just keeps getting longer and longer unnecessarily. Um, so I think the spent conviction is going to make such a huge difference to the lives of people being able to move forward without having that stigma and that prejudice marked against them. Thank you both so much for joining us tonight. Unfortunately, I think that is about the time that we have. Thanks, uh, Glenn and Ben. You've been listening to Done By Law on 3CR, 855 AM. It's the 19th of April, 2022, and we've been your hosts, Dylan and Jeremy. You can listen to this show on your radio, online, and where you get your podcasts.